Welcome to Change Space, where we explore how God's story is changing our stories, growing stronger and healthier minds and identities for us, transforming our relationships with Him, with ourselves and each other. I'm your host, Ruth Stephen Kolpilai, and I'm so excited to discover with you how God's story is changing our stories. There was a garden sanctuary in which there were two trees. One, the tree of life, it was about love. The second tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was about power. They were both in this sanctuary garden that God brought Adam to live in. And in this garden was an abundance of trees. The boundaries of living in the sanctuary garden came from God's own mouth to Adam saying, eat freely of all the fruits of these trees. They're for you to enjoy. Eat freely and abundantly of all the trees, except for this one. This one tree, this one tree, this one will lead to your death. These trees, all these trees, are about life. This one is about death. Don't eat from it. Those were the boundaries of the garden sanctuary. Adam shared these boundaries with Eve. And they lived in the boundaries of love's abundance, love's abundant life. Until the day Eve came to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and started a conversation with a talking serpent. The conversation opened up with a lie, a lie about God and his character. Those are the boundaries of those deep, dark waters in Genesis 1. They're made up of lies. And the biggest lie is about who God is. Lies, lies about God, lead to more and more lies. And those lies, they give birth to shame. Shame tries to keep me out of sanctuary. My therapist said something to me today that has just been staying in my mind. And this is the gist of it. Ruth, don't blame shame. Shame is just doing its best to help you survive. She's right. That is what shame thinks it's doing, helping me survive. Unfortunately, it's actually functioning towards my death instead. Why were we even talking about shame? Because I was letting my therapist know shame has gotten so loud in my head. It's not because the volume went up, It's because the closer I'm walking to Jesus, the more I'm able to see with clarity that shame is even playing such a large role in my functioning. You know, before, when I was further away from Jesus, shame was just as powerful in me. I was just oblivious to it. But the closer I get to Jesus, the clearer I can see the role shame is playing in my life. 
in season one, episode two, I talk at length in more detail about how our brains have these three parts that correspond to the three parts introduced to us in Genesis 1, 1, and 2. So feel free to go back and listen to that episode for more details. For today, as we talk about shame, we acknowledge, I acknowledge, how shame is part of our limbic system's functioning in our brain. That part of our brain that is set up for self-preservation, for survival, that's what we experience. When we are trying in our own efforts to survive. Hence, the more I'm learning to trust God, the more I'm coming into conflict with the parts of me that I have been trusting for much longer to get me through a day. I'm not surprised that it's present. If you go to Genesis 3, you find out when it shows up in the human brain. It all started when Eve began to have a conversation with a talking serpent who started the conversation off with a lie about God that was said so subtly, Eve did not catch it. So she continued to talk with the serpent about God from a place that was already a lie. Lies make up the boundaries of darkness, which is why the boundaries of darkness are really essentially experienced as boundaryless. Anything goes for my survival. Anything is justifiable for my survival. I can convince myself to lie to survive. I can convince myself to cheat to survive. I can convince myself it's okay to want what you have because I need it to survive. I can justify murder to survive. We are capable of justifying just about anything to ourselves when we live within the boundaries that are practically non-existent when they come from our limbic systems because they're made up of lies, distortions, fears, shame, blame, and all of these things to protect ourselves, to help ourselves survive but it backfires. I'm in therapy because clearly shame is not serving me well. Loud as it is, it is actually disconnecting me from myself, from God, from others. And it doesn't have to stay that way. But let me respect the power of shame so that I know how much I need Jesus to help defeat the shame. This is the end result of Eve's conversation with the serpent. She ate the fruit. She gave some to her husband. He ate. When you look at Genesis 3, verse 7, you find out what happened right after. The eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves coverings. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. 
Do you see it? Can you imagine it? Can you perceive it? When they were choosing love and the abundance of life that comes with love, they were excited to see God. They were wearing his character, this robe of his righteousness, and they were beautiful in their nakedness, in their vulnerability. Their vulnerability was a strength of connection that was true and trustworthy. But that second tree, the knowledge of good and evil, representing power, the power to decide for myself what I consider good, what I consider evil, the power to consider for myself, the way to have abundant life. Look how fast, look how fast shame came into the picture. Because the first thing Adam and Eve did after they took power for themselves, instead of trusting love, they hid. They hid in their shame, having already experienced the shame of just looking at each other and just seeing nakedness, seeing vulnerability, now as something bad, something to fear, something to hide. I have been in such desperate need of sanctuary. And Jesus has been here this whole time wanting me to come into this invited space. Now that I'm in, I see reality for what it is, truth. I see that I was actually living detached from reality because I was living in lies. That loud shame in my head, it's made up of lies. God came to Adam and Eve. God called to Adam and Eve. And God asked, where are you? It's revelation to come into God's presence. It's revelation to realize what life looks like when we don't try doing things our own way. Trying to get love by the force of will. But instead, to actually live in love, live the abundance of love, live the truth that God is trustworthy, he is safe, and being with him allows me to live in, in this reality of truth. This is the revelation of the story, the revelation of truth the revelation of reality, the revelation that sanctuary, it's here for you, it's here for me. We're invited. We just need to say yes. Isaiah lived in the reality of God's revelation of truth. So he was able to speak in so many different ways and so poetically and beautifully 
how we have this tree of life that brings us to love. We have this tree of the knowledge of good and evil that brings us to trusting in our own power. One takes us to death and lies when we trust ourselves, and one brings us to God when we learn to trust him. So I'm going to end with some words from Isaiah. Isaiah 61. These are the words Jesus spoke to those listening in his hometown of Nazareth in the synagogue one Sabbath because these words are what he, what he did for us. So listen to these words and remember how Jesus is sanctuary. Jesus is truth. Jesus is reality. And as we spend time with him in his word, asking the Holy Spirit to give us revelation of the truth of who he is so we can see his trustworthiness and come to live in his love. That's, that's, that's sanctuary. So as you hear me read these words, allow the Holy Spirit to love you, to calm down the loudness of shame in your own headspace, to give compassion to your fears that are fighting hard for power in your own way and your own understanding. Allow God's love to embrace you and bring you into sanctuary, to living in truth, to experiencing the revelation of Jesus' love for you his trustworthiness, the reality of living in sanctuary is Jesus. Jesus is our sanctuary, and this is what he wants to do for you. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. For I, the Lord, love justice. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise 
spring up before all. Today is a day to let the Lord replace shame with His sanctuary to receive His revelation of this truth that reality is living in His love.